In this episode of Radio Tenudini, Menno had the chance of talking to Doug Palladini, the global brand president of Vans. They touch upon Pal van Doren's legacy, Vans as a brand, and its mission. We are here today with uh, with a new episode of uh, Radio Tenudenim. We have a, uh, a guest on the other side of the globe, and this is the first Radio Tenudenim that we'll be recording uh, through video, so not live here in Amsterdam. But um, I think um, it's it's always important to have a special new situation uh, with a special new guest. And uh, Doc, I'm super honored to, to have you on the show today. Uh, for those of you who don't know you, uh, you're the global president of Vans, um, and um, you wrote books about Vans. Uh, you probably know more about the brand, Vans brand than anyone uh, I ever came across, and uh, we're super, super um, excited to have you on board. And before we start, I would like a, to, to ask you a question. How did uh, the finance guys in your company ever agree that a marketing person would head up the company? Those are the guys who get <laughs> to spend the money, no? Uh, yeah. Well, first of all, uh, Menno, thank you so much for having me. Um, pleasure to be here. Uh, miss you all very much. Miss your beautiful city. Miss your beautiful store. Um, and can't wait to get back there in person. So this will have to do for now. It's great to be able to see you and talk to you, but look forward to being back in person as soon as possible. Fantastic. Um, yeah, you know, I often ask myself that very same question. <laughs> I believe that I believe I'm the only um, person in the history of our parent company VF to come from marketing to be a global brand president. And yeah, it's like letting the fox into the hen house, right? <laughs> so. Yes. Uh, so you know you you have to learn some uh, you have to learn a little bit of financial discipline along the way. But I never want to lose the the marketing side of who I am. So I try to keep a healthy balance, I guess. Well, uh, uh, please, uh, uh, yeah, know that 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 I asked this with a very big marketing heart. Uh, so uh, uh, I thought it was um, it, it 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 was uh, it was a nice uh, a nice way to kick this off. Um, uh, Doc, this this must have been a very weird week for you. Um, uh, you um, you mentioned it briefly uh, when we spoke uh, to each other prior to this um, uh, to the show. Um, you had to let go of uh, the fans icon. Uh, my condolences. Uh, um, Paul van Doren uh, uh, passed away uh, uh, last week, I believe. Um, can you explain a little bit um, how? devastating this is to a company like Vans uh, to, to lose its founder? Yeah, uh, thank you for asking. Um, yeah, it's been a tough week for sure. We lost Paul last Thursday and I would tell you it's been a combination of sort of sadness um, at the loss, but also an appreciation for a, a life incredibly well lived is what I would say. Our, our concern our concern is for the family, the Van Dorn family, which is, remains very much a part of who we are. Um, Paul lived 90 incredible years of life. We should all be so lucky, right? Um, and he made the most of every single one of them and leaves behind an incredible legacy for us all to continue to honor and to shepherd forward. Um, but, but there certainly is sort of that sadness of the realization that one of our namesake and one of the co-founders of our brand uh, is gone. Uh, for sure. So, but our concerns with with Cheryl Van Doren, um, with Steve Van Doren, with Christy Van Doren, who remain very important parts of our our brand, who are, are have critical roles in our company, 
and, um, and are obviously dealing with quite a bit of loss right now. Hey, and Doug, uh, Paul uh, just finished a new book, is that right? Yeah, Paul, uh, so we call his 90th year his victory lap, to be honest. Uh, he, he was able to publish his memoirs. It came out two weeks ago. The book's called Authentic. It, it's an excellent read. Um, and if you want to get the audiobook, Tony Alva uh, is the voice oh. of the audiobook, which is pretty cool. Wow. Um, and that came out two weeks ago, so he got to see that. He got to see all the press around it. And then we've also just completed a documentary film um, that about Paul's life that's incredible. Um, no one's seen it yet outside of, outside of a few people here at Vans. But it was made by an incredible documentary filmmaker named Doug Prey. If you saw The Defiant Ones, the story of uh, Jimmy Iovine and Dr. Dre, sure. Um, that's that's Doug Prey, um, and so he's an incredible storyteller, and he spent you know over a year, the last year, an incredible amount of time with Paul. So we were able to really capture who Paul is, get the real story of his life down in words, down on film, and so we're very grateful. Um, we're very grateful that um, he was able to stay with us to see all those things come to fruition. Wow, it's uh, in a way, it's the most beautiful end uh, you could think of. It really is. There's something sort of poetic about it, right? Hey, and when I uh, when I read about uh, the Vans company and uh, how uh, Mr. Van Dorn uh, founded the company, I, I love I love to read about the love and care about work harder than anyone, but also um, yeah, sort of love what you do or or leave it. Um, how did uh, Mr. Van Dorn influence you uh, as a as a leader of the company, but uh, also as a uh, advanced protege in general. Yeah, well, listen, listen, Menno, that that ethic that you just described is the Vans culture today. So what started in 1966 uh, remains very much a part of who we are today. And we and I, I think the way that that manifests itself is in what we call Van Doren spirit, right. which means titles don't matter. Um, we're there to help each other out. Uh, you know, I, as the global brand president, need to help put take out the trash and fill up the buckets with ice, just like everybody else does. <laughs> and I'm not above that. And that that's a sort of an honor to be able to do sure. that. Um, and I think I think we all sort of have that theory around here. And I think that comes directly from the way that Paul worked, right? Um, and and I love that. And the other thing I would say, Menno, is when I started at Vans, Paul wasn't around. Um, he had long since retired. He's, his lifelong uh, fatu infatuation with horses had led him to move to Kentucky, which in the United States is sort of the horse breeding capital. And he was breeding racehorses. Really? Uh, he grew up at the racetrack and he was breeding racehorses. So he was making, uh, he was making quarter horses, not slip-ons anymore. <laughs> and so uh, his, son, his son, Steve Van Dorn, and I transpired to try to rope him back in to the brand. And we were able to do that uh, pretty successfully. So for the past, you know, decade, I'd say he's been around a lot more, and so he's had a lot more exposure to what Vans is all about now, and and our family of thousands of employees have got to hear directly from Paul and hear his stories as well. So th that's been a really nice exchange to see. So he's left a very indelible mark, not only as the founder from way back in the day, 55 mm. years ago, but more recently. You know, what can he teach people today? And there's a couple, you know, he was always great with lessons, 
the film, the documentary film is built around the, the life lessons of Paul Van Doren, which are pretty remarkable. Um, but the other thing that's great about him, Menno, is that he was in awe of what this brand had become. He called it his magic. He couldn't believe the magic of Vans. Uh, to see what he started with uh, one style of shoes and then 13 stores becoming this big global brand, doing four billion in sales, thousands of stores all over the world in 90 countries. And he just loved that part of it. So he got to travel the world quite a bit with his son, Steve, and see that for himself. And that was just so gratifying for him. I'm really happy he got to have that experience. Yeah, and, and uh, besides being a true people manager and, uh, and of course the real heritage of the brand, what else uh, did he put back into the company over the last decades? Yeah, I think it was that, um, that overall sense that ultimately what a brand is, is it's people. Right. And if you, can, if you can bring in people who share your passion and your dedication and you can allow them to become the best that they can be, um, then you will have a better brand. And so he always talked about it's not about waving the brand around like a flag. It's always about the people. And, and so that people focus, it's something that's very uh, kind of cool to say in business these days that you have a, per, a people first brand. It's a lot harder to do. But I believe we've been able to actually keep that, um, keep that thinking alive and very much in practice advance as big as we've become all over the world. And that people first approach remains, I think, front and center of, of who we are today. And um, what is your most uh, important personal lesson that you learned from uh, Mr. Van Doren? <laughs> he tell his one of his biggest lessons is this uh, is this concept of not chasing pigeons. I won't spoil the story so that you can read about it in the book <laughs> or see it in the film. But what it basically means is pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, do it yourself, take, take your own responsibility for, for help making those around you and what you do a success. Um, don't let anybody else um, do that for you. Take a responsibility for yourself. And that's been a very, very important lesson for all of us. Um, and, so, and isn't that a beautiful uh, yeah. bridge to, uh, uh, well, let's, uh, let's put it differently, that could also be a metaphor for sports, for, for, for uh, yeah, the existence of skates. Um, I mean, if you don't want to be smashed uh, to the asphalt uh, 99 out of 100 times, uh, you might not even want to start skating, right? Um, mm -hmm. is, that, is that maybe why this love story uh, between Vans and skates sort of, came together? Yeah, I, there's a few things there, Menno, based on your insight. The first thing I would say is Vance has always been very good about embracing misfits. Um, when, uh, when the Dogtown kids first skating our shoes and would come into the store and want to buy one shoe at a time, we embraced that. Um, they were not your typical, we didn't, we didn't say, get out of here, kids, we're trying to sell stuff. You know, we were like, oh, come on in. Mm. What are you doing? What is, you know, we didn't know. Back then, he didn't know what skateboarding was all about. He didn't know, he didn't make the shoes for skateboarding, but he saw these kids and saw their passion yeah. and he embraced that. And then, and, then, um, and then the punk rock people saw the skaters wearing Vans and, and it, was the, it, was the, it, it, was the, it was the minor threat 
Ian Mackay and Henry Rollins type people back in Washington DC back in the late 70s who were following what was happening in skateboarding that then adopted vans and were like, oh, more misfits come in. <laughs> and then now, now a lot of our employees feel that way. It's like, well, we just want to be who we are. We don't want to fit necessarily have to fit into a, a prescribed notion of what normal is. And, and, we, and we all feel welcomed yeah. um, to be a part of the Vans family. And I think that individuality, being comfortable who you are, being able to express who you are, um, is a big part of what Paul was talking about. Uh, it, it's, it feels like a lot of the, the Vans heritage uh, is, is very much connected to how I like to see genes. Uh, that's of course my biggest love, um, but um, and I also love to refer to uh, to this book every now and then when people ask me about the relationship between genes and vans. Um, and yeah, it, that's a good one. I have that one too. And if you look yeah. at Hugh Collins uh, locals only cover, uh, you might not even need a white yeah. t-shirt, uh, dog. We just need jeans and a pair of authentics, right? That's <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's that's really cool. Yeah, that's a great book, and Hugh's a great photographer. But um, but how how did the Misfit brand get into something connecting to all the dads and the sons and the daughters and the mothers in the world, basically? Um, how, yeah, you know the the way that I, the way that I would describe it is that um, our, our tagline for our brand has always been off the wall. Sure. Um, and when I think about off the wall, the way that I describe it is that off the wall is a state of mind. It's not about your age. It's not about where you live. It's not about your ethnicity or who you love. We welcome everybody to Vans, but what we share, what we all share is that state of mind of living off the wall. And that's being your authentic self. That's sort of drawing your own line in life, right? Um, and, and, and having your own belief in your own form of sort of creative self-expression and your individuality. And so as, as you think about off the wall being a state of mind, then that's perfect because then you can welcome in the dad or the grandpa or the baby or the little kid. It doesn't matter what, how old you are or where you're from. If you, if you, if you, if you understand that ideal, that ethos, yeah. then, then you're, then you're part of our family. Yeah, and for the people watching that are not familiar with the off-the-wall meaning, um, it's uh, it's referring to the uh, to the guys skating through the pools uh, and literally going up in the air, being off the wall. Is that correct, Doug? Yeah, um, the the literal meaning um, is from is from when those first guys went over the light in the pool, yeah. right? Yeah. And then and then it would you know you talk to Tony Alva, you talk to Stacy Peralta about this. And then, and then they were able to to get above the coping finally and take it into the air and off the wall yeah. back into the pool. So is that is that is that evolution of skateboarding? <coughs> excuse me, that came through the Dogtown crew that really created modern skateboarding, and and it was about it was about that very first move, and about persistence and about. <laughs> the yes. fact that they weren't allowed in the water, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, they, they found something else to do, right? Well, it was more back then in, um, this was in Venice, California in the early 70s. And there's a lot of flat spells where there, are, where there are no waves. And so they were looking for something to do when there were no waves. And so they were part of 
this, they were actually part of a group that hung out at the surf shop called the Zephyr Surf Shop. And it was, it was a surf shop. And then they sort of adopted skateboarding and brought that in as their non-surfing activity. Um, and so that's where the Z-Boys, so when you see Dogtown and Z-Boys, that's what they're talking about is the Z-Boys came from that Zephyr Surf Shop in Venice. Awesome. Hey, and um, I also read that, that the, the Vans brand is always a little bit perceived as being the underdog and uh, that there could never be too much ego involved. Is that any, in any way related to the Misfits start and, and the, the cultural groups yeah. that you were... Um, yeah, connecting to? Yeah, for sure. You know, if you're, <clears throat> if you're the individual who sees yourself uh, a little bit different than everybody else, um, then that's the opposite of using that sports analogy of the team, where they're, you're, you, you have to all work together as a group. There's lots of rules. There's a referee with a whistle, right? Um, it's telling you you're doing it wrong if you, there's an infraction. Yeah. Um, and that's not what that's not what what our world is about. So, you know, when you're when you win, when you're on a podium, you're saying I am the best at this. In skateboarding, when somebody does something new or something mind blowing, uh, what do the other people around do? They all slam their boards on the ground as like <laughs> an applause to say, "Well done, yeah. that was amazing." Yeah. So they're more inspired by each other instead of competing against each other. I think that's a very important sort of differentiator to help explain that off the wall mindset. And um, if you, I mean, of course, any brand would wish for such a, a rich legacy and such a, a beautiful history as a brand. But at present, uh, you are a, f a $4 billion company. Um, how, how, how do you bridge there? How, how do you become such a big company and still stay rooted in your own heritage? Well, honestly, Menno, it hasn't always been that way. Um, this is a brand that has tried very hard to kill itself many times over in the 55 years that it's been around. <laughs> uh, we, we, call, we call them our evolutionary dead ends. And we have these spots around the building. If we could walk around today in the headquarters, I could show you examples of all these evolutionary dead ends where we completely lost sight of who we were. Um, and I would say the reason why we've been able to grow and be successful in the past 20 years or so has been because we've gotten past that and we've been able to remember where we came from and who we are. And we've been able to keep those roots that you spoke of very well watered and, and really honor our legacy and say thank you. You know, we use this phrase around here of being hungry and humble. Hungry and, and humble. What that means to us is, what that means to us is, somebody, you know, somebody tells you, oh, Vans is doing so great, and you know, four billion's incredible, and uh, you know, you guys are killing it. And what we say is, thank you very much. And then we forget about that, and we put our heads down and go back to work. And so it's about that humility, and it's about, um, it's about being humble that I think is a big part of what allows us to stay hungry, to stay the underdog. Uh, we have this, we have this awesome uh, thing we did downstairs in the building. Again, I could show you. It's a big tapestry, huge tapestry hanging in our hall of David and Goliath. And uh, David, David has his foot on Goliath's head in victory. It, you know that famous story. And he's wearing checkerboard slip-ons and van socks. Um, in the tapestry, so it reminds us that we always want to stay. We always want to stay a little bit on edge, 
always keep a little bit of that sort of underdog philosophy in who we are and be that sort of challenger brand. And, you know, honestly, Meno, we're competing today against brands that are eight times, ten times bigger than we are. So there, there's plenty of uh, rationale to remain humble. Yeah, and, and what I really admired from your book is that um, you basically celebrated your first 50 by saying, let's use this energy for the next 50. So in other words, okay, let's get back to work, uh, right? And um, yeah, exactly. Uh, what I am very uh, personally very in inspired by is when I read about the um, creative expression that basically is rooted in the start of everything, where people could actually come with their own uh, fabrics or at least select fabrics at the Vendoren company and uh, basically create their own van shoes. And then if you um, yeah, flash forward and, and look at the present and uh, see what customization and, and, and personalization uh, brought to the market, uh, you, were, you guys were ahead of time. Yeah, when, um, when Paul Van Dorn started Vans in 1966 in Anaheim, California, right in the shadow of Disneyland there, um, he tells this great story of a woman who came in and said, oh, a shoe store, okay, which was weird enough because what he had done is he had bolted a little retail store on the front of a shoe factory. No one did that back then. There was no such thing as a mono-branded retail experience back then. Now it's, you know, you see it everywhere. Um, and, and he said, yeah, and she said, well, I like these blue ones, but they don't really match the color blue I want. He said, no problem. You bring me a piece of fabric with the right blue and I'll make you shoes out of the fabric. <laughs> and so she went and got a bolt of fabric and brought it to him and he made her shoes and didn't charge her any extra for them and she loved it. And that, it, it all came from there. And then later we saw kids um, is sitting in class with their legs folded, right? And they were doodling on, their, on the side of their shoe, right? So here, I'll show you an example. So this on the foxing tape here, yeah. on this part of the shoe, yeah. uh, these are, the, Jackson Pollock did these, so they're a little messy, but um, here kids were doodling on the shoe and, um, and we're like, oh, that's very interesting. What could we do with that? And then so Paul, so then when you walked into the store, and this is what I saw when I walked into the store in Los Angeles when I was a little kid, there was a D-ring full of all these different um, styles you could get on the foxing tape. And so it just kind of carried on from there. And like when I, we would, we would try to match up our shoes to our skate decks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the hookup back then. You wanted your, your shoes to match your deck, which I love doing and remember that very clearly getting my shoes that way. And then today there's a very digital version as is everything. There's a very digital version of that that allows you to continue to be your creativity. But at Vans, we still believe that customization is the epitome of the creative self-expression that we seek from our fans. And, and, and if I'm not mistaken, this also applies to uh, the birth of the checkerboard. Isn't that right, Doc? That's exactly where it came from. It came from kids doodling on their shoes. You know, you sort of reverse out that color and you fill in. It's just a kind of an obvious thing. And so again, we get, it's not that, one thing I just love about Vans is the organic nature of it. There's no like master plan. You know, there's never been a master plan. It's just been kind of this constant evolution and progression and seeing things like, oh, that's very interesting. I wonder how that fits in. And then another group raises their hand and say, we love Vans. We want to be a part of your culture. You know, <clears throat> I had this incredible experience, Menno, uh, over the past many years of working with chefs 
and realizing that there's a whole community of chefs out there in the world who are incredible uh, creative expressors, right? Th these people are built on creative self-expression and they have the same attitude that skaters have exactly and they're all wearing vans and we didn't know that. So then we said, okay, we need to welcome this, this group, this cohort into our family as well. Um, <clears throat> so it, it's just been one thing like that after another at Vans and this very organic build over time. It's been really, really gratifying. And um, I don't know if I ever told you, but I, I absolutely love the, the, the self-made Vans. And you know, we like to uh, do it ourselves every now and then uh, here in Amsterdam. At I've noticed. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that. But that's what I'm talking about, Menno. It's so, it, it's so humbling for us to see really creative people such as yourself see that our shoes are literally a canvas for creative expression yeah there's no higher calling for our brand it's the ultimate it's the ultimate thing our brand could expect to have that and so when people like yourself honor us by willing to put your creativity onto our product that is that is the ultimate joy that we get out of doing what we do yeah and, and sorry for bringing up the the relationship with uh, with jeans all the time but um, um, my biggest denim collection is um, well I think uh, consisting of about 200 customized denim pieces uh, political pieces artistic pieces completely ridiculous denim pieces so I think um, yeah the 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 beauty here is that uh, people kind of celebrate the, the, the simpleness of a product and then make it their own and make it even more mm -hmm. unique. But what yeah. I'm also interested in is besides all that creativity, the, the core is always almost too simple to be true. It's, it's in a way it's unbeatable. And I think you uh, elaborate on that in your book as well, um, because there is a there is a paragraph in which you think I, uh, you said that it's canvas shoes and a couple of great t-shirts and some related stuff. And it's almost impossible to compete with that. And it really intrigued me, but can you explain what you meant there? Because in a way yeah, it, yeah. It, it is so simple. And, and <clears throat> why is it still something you can't just touch if you would like to? Yeah, I'll try my best. I don't know that I'll ever be able to fully explain it. <laughs> it, is, it maybe is one of those things that's truly intangible about our brand. But there are a lot of brands out there, Menno, as you know, that, are, that, that thrive and survive through innovation. They have to create the next thing that allows you to perform better. They have to put more air in the shoe or they have to do the, an even lighter foam or something like that. And that's not who we are. We don't have we don't we don't compete on that in that way of thinking. We try to uh, we try to stay focused on what we do well, which is that simplicity you're talking about, and have it be more representative of what I mentioned earlier about a state of mind. So when you join the Vans family, um, that our products are a representation of who you are, and they signal that your your belief structure is built around this idea of being inspired by creative self-expression, um, of being inspired by seeing life a little bit differently in that off-the-wall way. Um, and so the product itself doesn't have to do everything. It's more just a part of who you are as a human being. 
that's really important to us. I think that's it. So embracing the beauty of simplicity is I think incredibly powerful to, to our brand. And we try to really, whatever we do, we try to really not overcomplicate it, I would say. Yeah, and, and maybe because you made certain things so simple, um, yeah, it's often referred to not as uh, a, a canvas or a leather shoe, but it's a skate high or it's an authentic, right? It's, uh, it's something mm -hmm. like ordering a Coke and, and not, and not yeah. something else. Uh, so people can't mm -hmm. take away uh, that very unique part of it in a way. And, uh, but what I'm curious about is what is your favorite pair of Vans? And I'm no, I, I won't let you choose between <laughs> your children, of course, but... Um, yeah. Let's let's. I don't know how you answer that question, man. How do you know? I don't know how you answer that question about denim, but it's a hard question to answer. Well, I, it's really I, hard. I always answer it as follows. It's it's like girlfriends. Today I love her the most, um, but sometimes. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, no. It's, right. Well, I, I've been married. I've been married for almost thirty-one years, so I can't really use that analogy. <laughs> uh, but. But I will tell you that uh, I will tell you that it's very hard to choose. I'm constantly. I, I, I guess one thing I would say is that I am in love with a new pair of Vans every week because we keep putting out. I am in constant awe of our product teams in apparel, accessories, and footwear and equipment too. It applies to our snowboard boots too. But every week there's something new. <laughs> if you talk to my assistant, she'll tell you. Every week, I'm like, "Can you find these for me? Can you find these for me?" Because I'm getting, I'm seeing what's coming out, and I, you know, I'm always, I'm always wanting that next thing and very ex just excited about it. And you know, honestly, Menno, this is my 17th year with Vans, so if I can be 17 years in and still feeling that excitement yeah. for the next new thing, I know, I know that I should still be here. I think, I think when, I think when the the next shoe comes out, and I'm like, eh, eh. Eh, I'll know it's time for me to go do something else. Uh, but what about a style? You you can choose your favorite Vans style, I presume. Okay, well, if I have to default, what I usually say is the skate high is my favorite style, and one of the main reasons is because it has it has so much space on the on the side to be able to reflect whatever it is that's going on there. So if we're do, you know if we have if we're working with Supreme and doing a public enemy collaboration. Um, then I can you really see all the public enemy on the side of it. Or if we get to do a Led Zeppelin, it's not just music. If we get to do an artist collaboration, or the latest one we did, a, uh, we did a pack in honor of the one year of Jeff Grosso's passing, that was skate highs and being able to see all the beautiful material on the side of the shoe. I just really like that aspect of it. Um, so I guess I've always been kind of partial to skate highs, but man, it's, but, yeah, it's but today to it's, uh, Jackson Pollock authentic. Uh, did I, were you wearing these that you today, just showed today? It's a, today it's a Jackson Pollock authentic. Exactly. Well, so I, I, I can't, I mean, this is a big shout out <laughs> to my buddy, Brian, but, uh, oh, there you look go. At these. Skate highs. Skate, uh, if you, if you would not have chosen skate highs, I would definitely, uh, well, I would always also pick them, but, uh, Look at these. <laughs> yeah, you know it's funny you show those, Menno. Um, I we we have this we have this sort of ethos belief that I that I proselytize about at Vans all the time, which about is about embracing imperfection. So there are some there are some shoe collectors who 
send somebody to wait in line for them to buy a pair of shoes that are very limited and they take that box, they never open it, they put it in their closet or in their storage facility and it's more about, it's like buying a stock, right? Or it's like an investment, right? Um, and and vans, I, I, I like vans that are the opposite. I like the ones that are dirty, torn, worn, falling apart. There's pages on Pinterest, on Facebook, etc., Instagram feeds that are dedicated to the worst beat up vans. And I love that. Like, uh, like these ones? Yes, yeah, there you go. Yeah, because- I love this I picture, really, dog. I really say, <laughs> yeah, I really, I really believe that, and I know that there's a denim analogy here, but I really believe that those shoes are, are the beloved shoes. Yes. Those are the shoes that when you look down, you think about all the amazing experiences that you had in them right the shoes that are sitting in your closet unworn they didn't have those experiences they weren't a part of your life and right? am, am i being a little bit of a freak to say that i also believe yes. that these <laughs> just simply look the best i mean besides all the beautiful memories and all the, mm -hmm. the crazy parties that these uh, shoes uh, attended probably don't they just look amazing like this I even I think so. I even spoke I to so. your team in the, in the Netherlands once, asking them if if we could like replicate a totally beaten mm -hmm. up pair because I just like the look of it so much. And they me uh, they asked me, me uh, if it was time for my medication, but um, <laughs> not, not no no I think I think I think the uh, I think that especially people who are around vans a lot will tell you that um, that we really like them once they get scuffed up a bit. So totally, totally agree with you. Yes. And we're on, definitely on the same wavelength there. It's, it's a wonderful feeling to know that you will back me up then. <laughs> I will, I will back you up, no medication necessary. <laughs> um, and uh, back to your personal life, uh, Doc. Uh, what's, what's your- Wait, wait, we weren't talking about my personal life. What are you talking about? <laughs> what's, your, what's, your, what's your first sort of memory uh, to Van Shoes? Because I, I think you, you skate and you also said, uh, something about matching your shoes to your deck. Uh, is is, is mm -hmm. that when you uh, personally found out about the brand? I moved to Los Angeles when I was six years old and immediately fell into the love for Southern California and the lifestyle and picked up my, all the kids in my, on my street were skating and I got a skateboard and my first pair of vans and we built a, a quarter pipe against the light at the end of the street and would just spend every day out there. Um, stole all my dad's, you know, spare wood and, and kept the thing, kept the quarter pipe alive and um, just been a part of my life ever since. So it started at a very young age for me, to be honest. And then when I got a little bit older, started getting into surfing, same thing. Um, and then snowboarding when I got a little bit older than that. And so it's just always been a part of my life. Um, so I'm very grateful to be able to work on a brand that's been so um, sort of sincerely uh, a part of my life forever, almost forever. Well, uh, it feels like uh, you have the the best job on earth. Uh, basically, it's um, uh, you're you're living. I'm not going to argue. <laughs> hey, and um, I I was I was sort of in doubt uh, whether I would uh, um, uh, yeah use this subject today, but. Uh, of course, we are in a very crazy year this year, and uh, without uh, uh, going into something negative, I was very interested to know how you how you managed to keep vans vans during the 
yeah, the course of the last 14 months uh, during the pandemic? Yeah, it, it hasn't been easy. Uh, I will tell you that Vans thrives on being face-to-face -face with our fans. No matter where you go in the world, we really do our best work when we're together with you. And so that could be at the House of Vans, that could be at a skate event, that could be just at a little demo in front of the shop. Um, it could be doing a, a launch with our friends at Tanu Danim. Um, you know, but, but we thrive in being there, right? In being face to face with people. And that's been the hardest part during the pandemic is not being able to be face to face with people. So it just like, just like COVID uh, took away people's uh, sense of smell or, or sense of taste, we feel like we lost one of our senses when we weren't able to have uh, in-person events and be with our friends all over the world in person anymore. You know, a normal year for me, for Steve Van Doren, we're traveling 150,200 air miles a year to be with everyone around the world. That's very much a part, an intentional part of who we are as a brand. And so we've had to figure out virtual ways to recreate that, um, to create something different. I don't think we could try to equal that or mimic that. I think we just had to go a different direction and find, well, how can, how can you embrace that off the wall state of mind in a virtual space? And we've, we've tried very hard to do that. Um, and we've created, I think, some brilliant content that I'm very proud of. Uh, we did this whole series called Bouncing Off the Walls that was about uh, inspiring people to do different creative things. Um, when they're stuck indoors, full of anxiety and fear and perhaps not feeling their best. Uh, and we also took the opportunity, Menno, that I'm very proud of, to give back to other people who were having it worse than we were, to be honest. Mm. Um, I'm, we I'm wearing a shirt today from a project that we have called Foot the Bill. And, and Foot the Bill was about remembering where we came from, as we talked about earlier, and taking care of the, all the small businesses that, um, that suffered much worse than we did. And so some of them were our board sports accounts, art galleries, music venues, restaurants, supporting other small business uh, expressive creators around the world um, by saying, we remember you in this difficult time, we appreciate you and we're gonna help take care of you where we can. So each of these people were invited to come in, design their own van shoe and t-shirt, and we sold them on their behalf and then gave them the pr proceeds from those sales as just a small gesture um, to say thank you and we wanna do our part during the pandemic to support you. So it gave us a chance as a company to sort of attain that higher calling. You know, when people aren't interested in transacting with you, what else is there? Well, we, we have these deep emotional connections with our fans, with, uh, with the people who help support us when times are well. We need to, we need to remember those things when, when people aren't as interested in buying stuff. Um, and so if I had to pick one thing that I think kept us together, it was rising to that higher calling um, and to say thank you and, and to pay some back. And, and is, is this also what inspired you as a leader, as, a, yeah, um, as, yeah. as the president of Vance? Because it's not only, of yeah. course, the, the end consumer, but, it, but it's also all the members of the internal family, uh, I assume. Absolutely. They're all people. Um, you know, at the end of the day, they're all people. They're all humans. And, um, and you, want the, you, want them, you want them to have reasons to believe that they're working for something that's more than a shoe or a t-shirt, um, that there is this higher calling. 
of, uh, of, of enabling creative expression everywhere in the world. And so we did some things, we did some things to make sure that we were being that people first brand that Paul talked about earlier. Um, we made sure, even though all of our retail stores were closed, for example, we made sure that all of our employees got paid um, during that downtime nonetheless. Um, we, we made, th th there were so, people who had so to go to work in our people management after all. Yeah, I mean, you have to be, I guess, I guess what I would say is, you know, there's that old philosophy memo that when the chips are down, you find out who your friends really yeah. are, right? And I think what we wanted to do was be able, well, while times are really tough, to be able to reinforce the people's belief in our brand. To say, to, to say, if you're an employee, we want you to reinforce your belief that you're working in the right place, a place that shares the same values that you do, okay? And the way that you do that is by being empathetic, by making sure you're putting your money where your mouth is, by saying it's all good from a work standpoint. If you need to go be with your family, go be with them. If you need to move in with your parents, go ahead. Uh, we're going to be as flexible as we need to be during this pandemic together. And so it's just about showing that we care more than anything about being human, you know. Um, that's really what makes a people first brand. And a lot of uh, Vendoran spirits, I reckon. It's uh... Yeah. Yeah. Not always easy. I mean, there's, you know, we can't fully eliminate the frustration and the anxiety and the fear. But, but we tried to do our part is what I would say. Hey, Doug. And... Um I would uh, I would love to uh, to spend uh, uh, maybe two more hours, but uh, your time is limited, uh, so I have to uh, come to uh, s uh, some of my last questions uh, during the show. Okay. Um, in your book, I, I read that uh, I think it was Steve Van Doren who mentioned that um, in the 90s, uh, Vans went from a production company into a marketing company. Um, can you explain what he meant? And can you also uh, give your vision on, well, let's say the next few years, how, what kind of company Vance is to you at present? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Paul Van Doren was a manufacturer. So he was an operations guy. He understood how the pieces fit together, how to make a very good vulcanized rubber shoe. Uh, that was him, right? But he, he didn't understand marketing. He didn't understand advertising. He didn't understand about how to make that connection. He was very fortunate his son did. <laughs> so Steve just, for, just had this sort of innate understanding of how to make these connections with people. And so he was the one always out there handing out t-shirts, passing out flyers. I'm convinced he was the first guy to make a sticker as a representation of your brand and pass out stickers to people. I think a lot of what we call grassroots marketing today, I believe Steve was the first person to do <laughs> in our industry. I really do. Awesome. I really do. He was the first guy to get out there. And that's because his dad wasn't going to give him a marketing budget. So he had to think about, all right, how the hell are we going to get people to know what vans are and to get, go to the stores and to ask for vans? Uh, not an easy task. So he was the one making the flyers and the stickers and the t-shirts and and that still remains a big part of who we are today. And he provided Sean Penn with some checkerboards and the rest was history, right? That's right. That's <laughs> right. Both good and bad. So um, so we he was able to show the value of press, the value of publicity. And we became a national brand when Fast Times came out in the early 80s. I think it was 82 when the movie came out. But we also learned a valuable lesson about... about um, about not believing the hype. Because what happened at the time is 
we started getting orders flooding in from all over for checkerboard slip-ons. And we made them as fast as we could to fill all that demand. And then the movie was over and people went on to the, ne the next the Return of the Jedi or the next movie or whatever it was. And, and fast times became you know something in the past and we were left holding the bag on millions of pairs of shoes. And guess what? We, uh, um, the people that ran the company at that time had to declare bankruptcy. Um, and so that was a very important lesson for us. Uh, Paul came back in. He loves to tell the story of, you know, it's not going to be easy, but we're going to pay every penny back. And he did that. He paid. He said, you know, the court told him, you know, you're only going to have to pay 10 cents on the dollar for all the money you owe. And he said, F that, we're paying every penny back. And you may have to bring in your pencils from home because we're not going to be able to afford office supplies for a while, but we're going to pay every penny back and then we're going to go back to growth. And that's exactly what he did. So we all try to keep that story alive to remind people that you don't want to follow the next thing. You know, you want to make sure that you're being disciplined around your business strategy. And, and I think that's enabled a lot of the growth that we've had in the past 20 years or so is remembering some of those difficult times that we had when you were bringing in your own office supplies. But it also um, brings back a lot of love for the company, I guess. And uh, going back to basic every now and then uh, creates also mm -hmm. creativity and, uh, and, and mm -hmm. good spirit. Hey, and last but not least, uh, Doc, if I would ask you to the next 10, uh, what is uh, what is the most important thing that you would like to ac accomplish uh, with uh, with Vance and and with you uh, as the leader of the company? Yeah, I, I would like I would like everyone in the in, in the world who cares about creative self expression to 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 see that Vans is a brand that truly, sincerely, and meaningfully believes in that same thing. And, that, and welcome those people into our family all over the world. We're in 90 plus countries around the world right now. So we really want Vans to be the global icon of creative expression. And, and that would be, uh, you know, I would say we're maybe, you know, 50% the way there. Um, but we really, that, that's really our objective. And we want to enable that. We want people to, to find, rediscover, or discover for the first time that thing that really ties us all together as human beings, and that's our creative inner selves. That's such a powerful part of our lives. That's such a, pl a place that brings joy to us, right? You know that as a very creative person yourself. Uh, it's a very important part of who we are. So um, enjoy the moments, but then after, aim high and get to work, right? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Roll up your sleeves, get a little dirt under your fingernails. <laughs> get, as you say, get the blue on your hands, yeah. right? Yeah, from uh, from the from the indigo, get a little blue on your hands and uh, and and be be in it, be a part of it. So if if your vans are not uh, at least partially destroyed, you didn't work hard enough, right? Exactly. Keep trying. <laughs> Keep trying to get a hole in those shoes. Exactly. Doc, it was a tremendous pleasure to have you uh, at Radio Tenudenim. Uh, I'm I'm very honored to have you here. And uh, like I said, I could have talked to you for hours. And uh, I think uh, we have to book our next one uh, the next time we see you in Amsterdam or maybe on the other side in California. Uh, for now, thanks uh, so much. And uh, yeah, we would love to see you again soon. Well, the feeling's mutual, obviously. And uh, and always great to talk to you, Menno. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>